This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, hour two of Sportsnet today is underway. Logan Gordon along with you. And we have a bit of an update from San Jose ahead of a Tuesday night matchup against the San Jose Sharks. Optional morning skate for the team today. But our pal Wes Gilbertson from Post Media and a co-host of Flames Talk. Sharing the news from that optional morning skate. Good news, Nikita Zadorov hit the ice for morning skate today. Did not practice yesterday. So he may be an option for the team tonight. Jacob Markstrom will be your starting goaltender. Matthew Phillips was the last one on the ice, getting some extra work in. So it appears he will be scratched for a fourth straight game. One of the guys not getting extra work today was Chris Tanev, who did practice yesterday and could be a sign that he is ready to return to the lineup tonight as well. So maybe things not quite as bad on the back end as we once feared. Because all of a sudden on Sunday, you're wondering about the depth of this team after Dennis Gilbert goes down in that fight. He was placed on injured reserve today, and Nick Simone was recalled. But he goes down. Zdorov takes the shot off of the hand-arm area and goes immediately off late in the third period. Then didn't practice on Monday, but was out there today. So that's a great sign. So for the Flames, perhaps, instead of what we saw at practice on Monday, you might look at your regular pairings of Hannafin Anderson, Uyghur Tanev, Zadorov Stone, which would leave Mackie and D. Simone as your extras when it comes to the defensive side of things. The forward group still to be determined without a full practice and a full cavalcade of players out there. Didn't get any indication on lines and pairings, but yesterday, of course, had the news that uh, Milan Lucic was skating on a line with Nazem Kadri and Andrew Manjapani. Excuse me, Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto. Manjapani was on a line with Backlund and Coleman. The Dubé-Lindholm-Tofoli line stayed together. What we're going to see on the fourth line Pretty much anybody's guest at this point. Uh, Ruzichka, Lewis, Richie mixed in with Matthew Phillips was the scene at practice yesterday. Redeem Zahorna still in that mix. He missed the last game with an illness. But this is also a group that went 11-7. and seven. Sunday in the win. And could possibly do so again. Worked out okay. 
Although maybe Daryl feels less inclined to do that if it is the veteran pairing of Stone and Zadorov that is able to play tonight. We'll wait and see. 8.30 puck drop pushes everything back tonight. We've got some uh, special programming coming your way a little bit later on. We can't make Pat work any more than he already does. Although we've tried. Right, Cam? Like we've, we've, we asked him to work just won't straight through, but he's just refused. Can't imagine why he wouldn't want to, you know, sleep here, spend the night. Yeah, we can get up, him a hot plate and he can, breakfast. And he can live here forever. Oh, yeah. So what we're going to do tonight then is we're going to have a special edition of Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers and Ryan Pike. That will go at four when Flames Talk would usually begin. Pike will stick around for Flames Talk with Steinberg and Gilbertson at five. Pat and Pike at six. That takes you right till seven when Flames pregame, the extended edition, kicks off tonight with Steinberg and Lubardius all the way up until 8.30 when Derek and Peter will call the Flames and the Sharks right here on Sportsnet 960. How do we feel about the late starts, by the way? And I always like to bring the text line in for something. It's usually more hard-hitting, and it's usually lineup decisions or reviews or things that are, you know. But I'm just curious, 8.30 starts, are we a fan? that They're all this week. Thursday, Friday, now it might be different. If you're on holidays already, you might be okay with it. Personally, as someone that likes taking advantage of the mountain time zone as what I'd refer to as the superior time zone for sports watching, I don't love an 8.30 start. Are you putting on a pot of coffee tonight, Cam? What are you doing? I'm I'm up anyway, right? I'm not uh, out of here until about 6, so... Gives me time to get home, get some food, maybe pour a little coffee or some tea, and then get the game on. I don't hate it. Yeah, but that's two and a half hours. Yeah. God. You need two and a half hours to get ready? No. But I like to enjoy my food while I eat. It's going to take you two hours to eat? <laughs> Small bites? Baby bites. <laughs> what? Portion control, what? you know? What in the world? <laughs> Is Taylor Damon trying to bring me? Well, looks like you did on that on MS Paint Day. Look, everyone stole the computers, so I can't use any and make Chris Tan of a graphic. So I had to resort to the next best thing, which is just drawing the graphic. Just which like I him. think is spot on. That looks just like him. You put a number eight on there. This hockey stick is also curved. Legs aren't really proportionate. That's uh, that's producer Taylor. Uh, does a lot of the graphics that you see on uh, our social medias, and uh, unable to to procure the resources needed to to do part of her job today. So she's instead of working in some capacity, has just been doodling a, a Chris Tanev one, and it, and it wasn't bad. I've seen worse. It's his birthday. Gotta drew up something special for him. Yep. 
Uh, we'll get to the text line in, in just a little bit about the 8.30 starts, but news on the San Jose Shark side of things. James Reimer gets the start in goal, so the Flames will see a different goaltender tonight than they did on Sunday. Kapo Kakinen got the start and was okay. Season number's not strong, not that the defense in front of him was all that great. Out for the Sharks is Tomas Hurdle. That's a big loss down the middle for them. He was suspended two games for high-sticking Elias Lindholm at the beginning of period number three of Sunday's game. So a nice little extended break for the Sharks' best forward. Into the lineup will be Mario Ferraro for the Sharks. So it'll be a different-looking group on the San Jose side of things. A player that didn't play on Sunday but uh, had more news drop about him today. That's Luke Cunning. He was already on injured reserve for the team. Uh, they found out today he will require ACL surgery. Second time in his young career for the 25-year-old that he will require uh, surgery for a torn ACL. Feel bad for the guy. It was his right knee, I believe, in Minnesota a couple years ago where he tore his ACL. Now it's the other ACL that he's torn, and uh, he'll be out for six to eight months. So that uh, definitely concludes his season this year and uh, might affect some of his summer plans to uh, get back into shape for training camp next year. But he was actually a, a productive member for the bottom six part of the San Jose Sharks. He's out long-term after that injury. So that's the latest on the Flames and the Sharks for tonight. It's also a Calgary Wranglers game day First of two straight at the Scotiabank Saddledome uh, against the Ontario Rain. Make sure that uh, if you're not going down tonight, you're getting down to the Saddledome tomorrow. Game number 1,000. 1,000 for Brett Sutter. A very, very special occasion. It works out timing-wise literally as perfect as it can be against the organization that he spent most of his time with. In the Ontario rain, they'll be in town for it. And truly, what a what a, a class accomplishment for one of the true pros in the game to reach a 1,000 American Hockey League games. Pat has a special conversation on Flamestock coming up with him later that I highly encourage you. You find a way to listen to it either live or on the podcast. But only eight people in the history of the American Hockey League have played a 1,000 games. And Brett Sutter said to join that elite, elite group. And uh, to have that kind of dedication to hockey and to your craft, really, really special. And uh, I know it's chilly up. I mean, if you've got some holidays, you're looking for something to do with family in town, uh, why not head down to the Saddle Dome where the Flames are out in California and uh, hit up the Wranglers and the Ontario Rain tonight and tomorrow at the Saddle Dome, a two-game set tomorrow being Game number 1,000 for Brett Sutter. Uh, a couple of your texts at 960-960 talking about the 8.30 starts that we're going to see this week. 8.30 tonight in San Jose. Thursday, Friday, got L.A. and Anaheim also with the 8.30 starts. Do we love them? Do we hate them? Are we indifferent? Are we like Cam, who doesn't really seem to care because he's going to eat dinner for two hours? The people are behind me. I don't know if they are not. But the eight thirty start. Uh, This text says, "Love the eight thirty start. The later, the better." 
We got a couple of these, uh, our Sask listeners. As a Flames fan, I work in Saskatchewan lots with the time change. It's actually a 9.30 start. So it sucks, and I'm hungover a lot more. Uh, John and Airdrie, any diehard fans in St. John's, Newfoundland? We've got one of them. Our yeah. former Newfie. Yeah. <laughs> I like this one. I love it. Get the kids to bed. Piss off the wife while I sit on the office end of the couch and watch the boys on my phone. <laughs> Rob, uh, who I believe is in Mormon, said uh, <laughs> uh, another one for the 9.30 start in Sask. That's tough. Uh, this one says, not good for the kiddos. They like the 7 p.m. start so that they can watch. Even Matt and Cochran. Mold now. How am I supposed to stay up late to watch this on a work night? That's, see, this is why the I, I argue the, the mountain time zone is the greatest. And why you can it helps you when you're trying to keep up with not just your team that you watch, but also other conferences. Because this text says, yeah, if you're in the eastern time zone, why would you care about the west? The late night and hockey, the late game on Saturdays for hockey night in Canada, whether it's Vancouver, the Flames, the Oilers, whoever it is, yeah, it's a 10 p.m. start in Toronto. Who's really staying up at 10, 10 30 to watch a team that's not their favorite team? Probably just morons like me that have nothing better to do. Right? Like I'm not I'm not staying up at 10 30. Not saying you gotta go to bed, but I'm not starting a new hockey game at 10:30. Yeah, 10:30 is cutting it for a game that I don't care about. That's pretty close. Playoffs, maybe, but even then they spaced them out better. I think they did. Yeah, because there's not many that many games on a single day. They don't have to push it that late. Cam, have you ever seen the NHL scheduling? Oh yeah, it can be pretty atrocious. What was that? Is that all we had for that? Yeah, that's it. Oh. Well, they just schedule like 15 games in one night and then either two or none the next. Yeah, it can be. It can be frustrating, but that's why I said I still think that the 830 start as as mixed as the reaction can be from the text line. I still think we could have it worse. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'll stay up and watch it because I'll be up. It's a team we cover, obviously, but I'm saying if this wasn't a team that you're interested in, no, absolutely. I would have no interest in the slightest in this game if it wasn't for the Flames and the Sharks. <laughs> Text line with me complaining about the late starts. It sucks getting old. You youngins over there can stay up all hours of the day. We're fine. It's no issue. Bros, what about you? You're so you're a morning show cat now. What do you feel about these eight thirty ones? Yeah, that's that's the Does toughest. Piss thing. you off? For me, like I see why they have to do it. Uh, I just got in the studio, so I didn't hear what you guys said before this. But for the morning show, it's tough. Especially like I don't nap. Everybody else naps during the day, so. I'll probably watch this game still, but I will be a zombie, to say the least. Yeah, you're 
one of the few that I've ever seen that can do the morning shift on a regular basis without a nap. Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just being young, right? Like you were saying earlier. But no, the 8.30 start, it's, it's my first time, actually. Like, everything else has been 8. Yeah. Manageable. But now with the 8.30, and like, if they start late, it's going to be rough in the morning. I'll say that much. Yeah, see, and I'm happy because I'll, I'll be with you guys in the morning a bit following the holidays. And I'm glad that we're going to get these 8.30s out of the way. Because honestly, like, if you're in the morning, if you're, you know, 6 o'clock start, rolling to the office around 5, 5.30 at the latest, you're in bed at, like, 10. And that'll be, like, Pat will just be probably in the midst of the out-of-town scoreboard in intermission one. Literally. And, like, just hearing press conference and stuff, like, it's nice to know that before coming in in the morning, so I know exactly Well, yeah, you want to know what the storyline is. Did Daryl rip anybody? Was there anything worth it? Did Jacob Markstrom look Logan in the eyes and say, no, I just suck at hockey? You want to know these things ahead of time, and... When you're done at 11.30, 11, 11.30, it's a tough one. Cam's fine with it, though, so that's good. That's why I'm not in the mornings. I'm not a morning guy. Could you do that? Do you I think d- you could, if, if it came to it, if Alex was, was sick and dying, we had to force you into it, could you handle it? When I was first getting onboarded, I did three days in a row of morning show. And that first day, was the roughest wake up I have ever had because I woke up at like 3.45 to get here for like 5. That was tough. Second day, I'll admit, it gets easier. But that first morning, oh my God. <laughs> it's I, tough. Like the Flames didn't even have a late game when you were in. Hey, like I'm pretty sure they played it like yeah, no, it was like 6 that week or 7. It was early. Six, but yeah. But just getting here, that first wake up. Oof. I don't know if I could do that again. Especially if you don't live downtown. Like, everyone on the morning show except Patrick Dumas lives downtown. Like, we were literally talking about this on the morning show this morning. Matt Rose slept in. I called him at 10 to 6, and he was in for 6. So, that's the other thing. Is like, I live downtown, so it's a lot easier for me to, you know, take that extra five minutes if I need it. But with the Flames, I don't know, man. It's going to be a rough, rough morning tomorrow. 8.30 puck drop. Flames and the Sharks, get used to it. Three of them coming your way this week. Markstrom starts, optional morning skate. Zadorov and Tanev were out there. Sounds as though they are options for tonight. You'll have to wait until warm-up, which will go about eh, 7.30-ish tonight when we'll have the latest. Make sure you're following Wes and Pat on Twitter. Uh, They're usually the first out there with any lineup changes for the Flames. And uh, keep it locked here throughout the afternoon. Special edition of Sportsnet today coming up after the Hockey PDO cast with uh, Vickers and Pike. They're going to be around all afternoon giving you some extended Flames coverage for the late puck drop coming up later tonight. Uh, They're celebrating a World Cup in Argentina, and it is quite the sight. We'll talk about that and some of the other big sports stories uh, around the sports world. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour 2 rolls on. Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you. A reminder that you can get this show and all of our wonderful Sportsnet 960 shows wherever you get your podcasts. 
Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or you can head to the website, sportsnet.ca slash 960. Flames game day. We've talked uh, a lot about uh, the Flames and the Sharks today. Of course, our chat with Peter Labardius to kick things off. Some news from San Jose throughout the day with Wes Gilbertson. Post media, he'll be on Flames Talk with Pat coming up a little bit later on. And uh, we'll go into the Flames dressing room coming up in a little bit uh, to hear from a couple of the players uh, ahead of tonight's game. But before we got there, busy room here in the uh, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We've all decided to gather together for warmth and work in the same spot today. Times are tough. The regular crew of villains over there. They're not villains. Villains? They're not villains. Yes. Cam is, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Cam and Taylor are hanging out. Producer board ops extraordinaire. And for some reason, not wanting to go home despite working earlier this morning, the one and only Alex Brody is hanging out with us this afternoon. What's up, Broads? Oh, not much. Good to be here. Um, yeah, I just don't Yeah, you're not like... getting paid for this either, but I just want to let you know. I don't feel like going home today. Yeah, I um, guess not. I got to walk home. It's really cold out there, so... Well, if you're going to wait for it to warm up, you're going to be here for a while. A bad news for you. I'll just stay here until the morning show. I'll watch the game here, <laughs> sleep in, you know. There we go. You'll, uh, you'll know Brody from uh, such segments as Brody on the Beat. How's uh, how's Brody on the beat? It's been fun. We've tried some live segments at 7 a.m. So I'll go out usually to the 4th Street train station right outside the office here and bug people on, the, on their way. <laughs> I, I put that in a bad way. I, I ask people questions that our hosts, George Russick and Matt Rose, provide. Um, some people not interested in talking. Mm-hmm. Others happy to. So it's been a, it's been a fun segment and it's, it's really getting the pulse on what the people of Calgary think on sporting issues, but or not issues, sporting topics, as well as just general questions. And how talkative would you say people are at, oh. at 7 in the morning? Is it very, is it like 1 in 3 that you're getting to talk to you? Is it less or more than that? So the first live one we did, I had a pretty high success rate, and I was surprised because I was asking people what their favorite Christmas song was. But then I'd also follow up and be like, I don't know that song. Can, can you sing it? <laughs> and so someone would answer like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I'd have to pretend I don't know <laughs> what that don't know song what that is. Mean? Yeah. And I actually had pretty good success. But last week, I guess like it was pretty nice out. But, you know, I got a lot of the fake phone calls, oh, you know, yeah. pull out their phone, pretend to be mm. on the phone or you know, a lot. of. And that's the thing is you just have to take the no, swallow your pride a little bit. It's the fun part about the segment. But no, we've been having a lot of fun with it. We've done nine episodes now. Wow. Yeah. So it's becoming a series regular on the morning show. Yeah, I ran into a listener actually. Like literally I was out live and this guy comes running off the train and he's like, I'm listening to the show right now. Whoa. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. It's like breaking the fourth wall. People actually are listening to me right now, you know? But no, it's it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> That's good to hear. I know you guys have been having a lot of fun in the morning show and uh, one of the things that you guys did with uh, Tommy Wielden, manager of Cavalry FC and a regular uh, on this station, was you guys did a little World Cup pool for uh, for the World Cup, obviously, in Qatar, which just wrapped up 
on Sunday, and I haven't asked. I know you did terribly. I, I, we talked Ugh. about that before, but I never asked you who did anyone pick Argentina? Oh, yeah. So I had the last pick in the draft, but I also went with Belgium, which like I got a lot of flack for one because they were taking on Canada. Uh, but two, they they were brutal this tournament. They, they were they didn't even get out of the group. Right. Um, and that was my first pick. But Matt Rose, the one who knew who would he would say this himself. Um, he probably knows the least about soccer on the whole morning show. And mm-hmm. he. He won the whole thing. He took Argentina with his second pick, and he was up against Tommy Wielden in the final. Tommy had France, so came down to the wire. And, and Matt, I'm proud. He's winning all of our morning show games right now. Like he is on fire. Somebody has to dethrone him. But I was out first. I took Belgium, and then with my second pick, I took Spain, who choked against Morocco. And then I had South Korea, who also just I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I thought I could flex my soccer knowledge because I'm, yeah. I'm not really showing it off in fantasy for Sportsnet right now. So, yeah. uh, But no, I, I crashed and burned in that one. Well, uh, you might not have had fun with it, but I, I can tell you who is having a lot of fun right now, and that's uh, the people of Argentina. Because if you haven't seen this today, if you've been busy with holiday shopping or work or whatever, take a second out of your day. And it shouldn't be hard to find wherever you get your news feed, if you're on Twitter or any sort of news outlet. The parade today, the victory parade for the Argentinian soccer team, Leo Messi and his pals on a bus through Buenos Aires. The scenes are crazy. And I I don't mean like typical... Super Bowl parade or NHL parade where, you know, a couple city blocks are pretty full and there's people up in the parkades waving and everything. Cam, you showed me pictures. I've seen the drone pictures of this thing. This thing is like 4 million people out in the streets of Buenos Aires for this parade. They have overtaken roadways and laneways over bridges and highways to get a shot of this. It is an incredible scene and an incredible celebration for a nation. And I can only imagine what it would be like to be a part. First of all, if you're claustrophobic, not a good spot to be. But man, and, and look, this all comes with Messi having the the most liked Instagram picture of all time. He beat the stupid egg. I didn't even <laughs> know the egg was a thing, by the way. What? I didn't know the egg was, held the record. The world record egg? I didn't know that was a thing. How did you miss that? I don't know. I honestly don't. I honestly probably just assumed that a it was like a Jenner or a Kardashian thing that had the most. So the egg was like aiming to beat, I think it was Kylie Jenner. Don't quote me on that. But then, yeah, like I saw that post and I was like, this is going to take over. And like... I think part of like to go back to what you said about just like how big the parade is. You also got to think about like Messi's following on Instagram is and Ronaldo, but both their followings are massive. Like they, their their messages reach so far. Their action like they have so much influence. Um, so for Messi to finally achieve this, I I think it was probably the most appropriate reaction from you know the people of Argentina for sure. I couldn't believe it to be honest. And I'm, as I've told you, Alex, we talked about this a few times off air. I'm a pretty casual soccer fan. Canadian soccer wasn't big when I was growing up. 
I'll admit that this was the first World Cup that I watched every game that Canada played in. I watched the finals. That was something that was new to me. Um, and so I, I've had different experiences with soccer. I've seen a, a Scottish League game before in person. I've had different experiences. You know, there's World Cups come along and you watch here and there. This is the first time really diving into soccer internationally. And it is, it, it's the caliber of it is, is incredible, but the, the wide ranging worldwide impact is crazy too, that you were talking about there. And uh, I know Fox had some of the U S numbers that they had over uh, the American world cup games. And they did huge numbers. Uh, a few people, have said, you know, the next world cup in 2026, you're talking about could be one of the biggest international sporting events ever, right? Especially when it's going to be more North American based and probably bring the biggest subsection of fans outside of Mexico. I'll, I'll say that. And I mean this in the, the Canadian Americans. It'll bring the biggest base of people that have still yet to jump in on the soccer bandwagon right to the forefront. And I think it could... Like it could totally explode in a couple years. Yeah, I think definitely we like. I think this World Cup kind of just shows like even in, like especially in Canada here. Like this is a this is a sport on the rise. You know, it was already kind of a top sport outside of North America, um, but more and more people are are you know paying attention to this. And I think this was a very unique World Cup in the sense that it was in those winter months. Um, but it was perfect for us in North America. Uh, Tommy Wilden Jr. said that. This was great for him. Normally, the World Cup's happening when he's in season, when he's busy focusing on his own team. He was able to take in probably the most World Cup soccer that he's seen in a while, and he's, you know, the soccer guru. So, no, I think this is like Canada is showing really positive signs of just how much the country's rallying around the sport nowadays. And I, I think the 2026 World Cup is going to be truly remarkable. And I like as a Canadian, I'm so excited that. It will be here in the first place. And I think this final that we just had shows that the ripple effect that these these games and just like these events have on the community and, and just people all over the world, it really does speak volumes. And no, it's going to be a very exciting 2026. And I know Canada is going to put a lot into their program. They only want to keep moving up. And yeah, it was it was truly remarkable to see that final, probably the greatest match I've ever seen in my life. And that match will have a profound impact on so many aspiring players and just people who maybe weren't into soccer before going forward, for sure. It's just, it's crazy. And, you know, Messi's a huge star, right? The, to me, it's the star power that, because, uh, you know, talk about the biggest stars that transcend their sport. Messi's never going to play a game in Calgary. They're going to play a game in Edmonton or anywhere, but I would bet if you were to do a Brody on the beat somewhere and just ask random people, if I asked you, if I said a name to you, who are they and what do they do? He would topple LeBron James, Connor McDavid as the best in hockey, football, you know, whoever you want. Tom Brady's probably the most. 
right? And that's great because they've never, you know, they, he'll spend most of his career never coming to North America, never spending the majority of his career outside of North America. But the international impact, and it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. I grew up with a lot of, a good section of, of my friends and people I went to high school uh, were Croatian and they were big in soccer and the tournament means everything to them. But just seeing it all has been like the numbers to it are insane. And then you take out all of the extra stuff that comes with it being in Qatar, the mess that that was, take the FIFA aspect out of it a bit. It's great. Were you a big soccer guy before this, Cam? Like, were you? No. I know you're an F1 guy. No, I was not in tune at all. Did you watch a lot? No. Just wasn't in my in my wheelhouse, you know. Everyone has the, the sports that they watch and the ones that they don't. And soccer, football just never made its way in there. But you knew who, like, Messi was, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, if I said that to you, you'd easily know who he is and what he does. Yeah, like Messi, Ronaldo, the big names. Yeah. Those are all in there, Davies. But beyond that, it's it's all still very surface And level. F1's kind of like that, too, now. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I should say that, too, as as I know I always bug you, you're a big F1 guy, and Steinberg's like that, too. But they, they're starting to get some of that, too, where, you know, they're a little bit more international than than soccer, in a sense. Like, yeah. they're, they're more, they probably have more North American impact than other sports do. Yeah, I mean, touching the soil of other countries more than, than say someone like Messi would, but they're in the same. The drivers are starting to get into the same category of, like international stardom. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows it, but ever since the Netflix series came out, right, Drive to Survive, it's been, it's so incredible for the the Western scene has picked up on us so quickly, right? And I forget who said it, but it's. You know, people are getting attached to the story of the sport rather than the sport itself, right? Which is, it shows what people are interested in, and it's good stories, right? The the sport and what happens with it, it's always going to come second. The story is what people care about and the, the characters that are behind it. Who's probably the top F1 driver? Lewis Hamilton? Lewis and Max, I think, are synonymous at this point. Lewis probably has more namesake and, you know, people know his name, but if you know... Because he's what? even he's at like thirty one million on Instagram. Yeah. And what was Messi at, uh, Alex? Four hundred and some million. Four hundred and four. Wow. So, like that's crazy to me. That is crazy. Ronaldo's got more. I'll, I'll check Ronaldo right now. Obviously, not the tournament for Cristiano Ronaldo, but he's got five hundred and twenty million followers Ooh. on Instagram. Unbelievable. It is. Yeah, uh, and I think this is more my theory, and I'd love to get everyone to weigh in on this i think part of it with like sports like f1 and soccer is it's less of a time commitment to watch um like in club soccer it's usually once a week twice a week if your team's good enough to be in other competitions same with f1 right they do a race once, once a week. week yeah so i think that's a little bit easier for more people to kind of get on the the hype train of because yeah you don't have to tune in every day, sometimes every two days, just to stay up to date on like your favorite team or player, right? Yeah. And the World Cup, I think something really unique about it is, well, and I guess football is just like this too. Um, it's a one-off, you know, it's it's a do or die. Um, and I think that creates more drama, more romance, as Tommy Wilden Jr. put it on the morning show. But you I don't I personally I'm not a fan of 
you know, like a best of seven final if one team goes up three nothing or three one. But then you see comebacks like LeBron James with the Cavs against Golden State coming back from three one. But that that World Cup final, it had everything. It it really did in one game. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people can get behind. And like I don't have any credible research to back up this theory, but I do think that is a factor to consider in the growing popularity of these sports. Yeah, it's interesting too because I think that there's you know, as far as notoriety goes and following a sport, there's something to be said about the way that North American teams have done it when it comes to that aspect in building and you know, if I was to push back on anything, I would say while you do run into those in those best of sevens, you will inevitably run into those times where one team is clearly better and it's three nothing, four nothing series and it's over. Those can also build a rivalry and a tension between teams that one game simply can't. And I think more times than not, I'd probably argue that you're gonna get the best team regardless. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the a, a team that wins in one-offs isn't a good or qualified team, but I think when you're you're putting it in a series format, I think you're talking about you, you truly have to be the better team. You don't have to be the better team that day, yeah. whereas the one-on-one comes. But as far as, you know, the general topic that we've had here of just the the impact internationally that the World Cup has had, and that some of these athletes have, like it's, it's mind boggling. I mean, just you just scroll through and all those Twitter, and it's like, oh, just a casual picture of him practicing, practicing. He's in a practice uniform and shorts. Fourteen and a half million likes, <laughs> seventy eight thousand comments. Now most of them are. Hey, are you in debt? Let me help you. Uh, but the impact the impact is crazy. I can't even like comprehend it. And as we're talking here, a story has, has come out that the the madness in Buenos Aires has forced them to abandon the bus with the players because they literally can't move through the people anymore, and they're going to have to travel around town in a helicopter now. <laughs> I heard it made it up to 5 million people now there. The pictures are stupid. I retweeted it on uh, our Twitter. It It's insane. Twitter.com at Sportsman960. Take a look. Like, holy. I It's it's insane. It's, it's literally one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen. And I, I literally, uh, most of the time, I wouldn't really care, to be honest. You know? I, I, do I, can I tell you where Messi plays? No, I still couldn't actually tell you that. I know what country he plays for. I know what sport he plays. Yeah. No, but, it's... It's, good. like, I, I do agree. And, like, part of this is messy. Like, obviously, there were big celebrations for the 2018 World Cup. But even we got a great text here like this. This game was spectacular. Like you don't always see this kind of game. And and you could argue with me that, yeah, like a World Cup final that ends to nothing as it was headed would be considered way less significant. Uh, but I think that just kind of goes back into the sort of like 
the the storytelling component in in soccer is so so strong. You know, Messi in 2014, he made it to the final. He won the top scorer award. He walked right by. There's a, an iconic picture of him walking by that trophy, completely dejected. And then he comes back in in 2022 and and does it at 30. Like this, I feel like there's way more stories that kind of come out of these these events. And maybe part of that is the every four years as well. But it's I the people of anywhere what like they they worship Messi. There, I I saw an article about uh, a gentleman here in Calgary who's a Messi super fan. He's got the Alberta Messi license plate. He's got, <laughs> and he said that regardless of the outcome, he will be in tears at the end of this match. And I I wish I could have seen him after this match because yeah. you could just tell he was like. Messi is more than he's more than a fan of Messi. Messi is is an idol. He's an inspiration. Something that like once again a lot of youth will will look to in the future here as the sport continues to to grow and reach all over the world. So no, it's it's really special um that this this happened and it's only going to keep growing as as a whole across the world. So yeah, it's like, all I can say is it, it's got us really excited. It's got a lot of people excited for what 2026 is going to be, and I think there's going to be more pressure than ever on countries like Canada and the U.S. that haven't been as big a part of these as they could have been for so long because as you listen, you're right, you listen to Tommy or anybody that's been around, the talent's there. But developing it on a national level is something that John Herdman has had to come in and do because it wasn't getting done. The U.S., you, you can't tell me in a country that's as athletic and develops as many athletes as the United States do for basketball and football and everything else that they couldn't put out a competitive soccer team. It, sometimes it just takes the right person to put it together and develop and recognize that talent. And I think once you get that person, it changes a whole lot. And I think that's why you constantly see, you know, guys like Tommy and John that have come over from other programs and sometimes other countries that have had that success and are now starting to do it and develop it more in Canada. The next wave, I think, will be, you know, Canadian born and Canadian raised. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this country adapts and jumps onto the World Cup when it comes in a couple of years. So really excited for that. Thanks for jumping on, bros. Appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to talk about just some of the craziness going on through Buenos Aires today as the uh, the World Cup champions are celebrated in Argentina today. Messi uh, now with the probably the, the biggest Instagram post of all time and probably the biggest championship parade of all time as uh, literally 5 million people have taken to the streets of Buenos Aires to celebrate. Uh, they've stopped the, the team bus literally in the streets and forced them into helicopters so that they can continue to uh, to get to the events that they're scheduled for for the day. Uh, some pretty cool scenes and gets you excited about uh, what a potential World Cup uh, in a couple of years is going to look like in North America. Uh, that'll do it for hour two. Thank you to Alex Brody for jumping on, Cam and Taylor on the other side uh, as well. Uh, thanks to Bick Nazar and Peter Labardius for jumping on with us today. Really appreciate that. We'll be back in a bit with Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian. That's going to be coming up next. Uh, Pat Chat's coming up with her. Special edition of Sportsnet today at 4 o'clock with Aaron Vickers and Ryan Pike. 
Wes Gilbertson joins Pat for Flames Talk at 5 o'clock tonight, live from San Jose. They'll get you the latest on the Flames and the Sharks heading into tonight's matchup. Markstrom v. Reimer, optional morning skate for Calgary. Tanev out there, Zadorov out there. They could be available for the Flames tonight. 8.30 puck drop right here on your home of the Flames, which is Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And our friends at Rogers Business are shining a spotlight on entrepreneurs from coast to coast. Rogers Business is proud to demonstrate their commitment to Canadian small business owners across the country. Small businesses are the fabric of our communities and deserve to be celebrated. Entrepreneurs are sharing their inspiring stories, lessons, and tips. Rogers Business is providing small businesses in Canada the tools they need to grow and succeed. Celebrate small business with Rogers Business at rogers.com slash spotlight.